With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Real life, real people, real talk on Kingdom Talk. Welcome to Kingdom Talk, where we are sharing real stories from real people who've had real life victories. Join in on the talk with your host, Evangelist Anastasia Hay, every week on Tuesday, as our guests share impactful stories about how they've prevailed and triumphed over life's challenges. Welcome to Kingdom Talk. It's such a pleasure to uh, be here again. God is so good. Hallelujah. So this is uh, the place where we share real stories from real people who've had real life victories. Uh, My name is Anastasia Hay, and I'll be your host today. And uh, today we have an amazing guest with us. Um, She is going to tell us a a really great story about her life. Uh, Her name is Anita Wilson. Um, and she also wrote the book, Elias in Town, okay? And she talks about how to combine the spiritual gifts of creative communication, teaching, wisdom, and faith. Um, and so here with us, we have Anita Wilson. Hi, Anita Wilson. How are you? Hi, I'm doing just fine. Awesome. It's such a pleasure to have you here on the Kingdom Talk. I'm glad you took the time to be on our show as our guest. And I'm really oh, happy to hear what you have to share with us in the audience. I'm sorry. So, I, can you say that again? <laughs> yes, I said I'm really happy to hear what you have to share with both me and the audience. Oh, I'm happy to be here, too. I'm happy to share it. Nope. It is my pleasure. Praise God. That's such a blessing. Uh, so, Anita Wilson, uh, tell us a little bit about your life story. How was your life seven years ago, and what did you create the life you have now? Well, you know, when I look back to 2012, I don't even recognize this woman who is named Anita Wilson. Um, <laughs> I have a chronic illness, and it had yeah. come to the point where I could no longer pursue my career or live out my volunteer life, so I had to go on disability. And a few years prior to 2012, I had taken some really misguided advice from a friend in a support group. And he said that I should take a shot of alcohol to help me with my vertigo symptoms because alcohol is a nervous system suppressant. And so I did that, and it worked. But then alcohol tolerance being what it is, one shot was not enough, then it was two shots, and then it was three shots. And then pretty soon I was using alcohol not to treat a symptom but to escape 
to, to escape oh, my wow. reality. And, yeah, it had gotten to the point where I was drinking a whole liter of 100-proof alcohol every day and sometimes washing that down with pain pills so that I could just completely escape. In um, 2012, I was completely wrecked. I was wrecked with alcohol and pain pill abuse. And depression had swallowed me up to the point where I was actually disassociating from reality. I had what was called um, disassociative depression disorder. And my mind was so foggy, I, I couldn't even concentrate to read anymore. I, I just was helpless and felt futureless and I felt hopeless. So I did what I thought would be the ultimate escape. I, I taped my suicide note to my bedroom door with a Band-Aid, and I washed on an entire bottle of sedatives with about a half a liter of alcohol, and it should have killed me. I, I should be dead, but praise God I'm not. <laughs> um, my family and they, my friends, they held an intervention for me, and I don't remember the words that they said to me at all, but I remember walking into that room and feeling like I walked into this wall of love. And so I decided that I would love them back and that I would go into the treatment that they had set up for me ahead of time before the intervention. And so I went into a six-week treatment program and something happened while I was in the psychiatric hospital that um, I considered to be a miracle because my mind was so fogged up from the alcohol and the pain pill abuse that I couldn't, I couldn't think coherently at all. But I was definitely hearing and perceiving scripture clearly. It was like God was just streaming scripture to me after scripture after scripture. All those words that I had hid in my heart from my lifetime had just come to me in like this miraculous healing way. And um, I reveled in those thoughts. I remember going into the bathroom. I didn't want to wake up my roommate. I would turn the light on in the bathroom and I would sit on the floor (laughs) in front of the toilet and I would just write down all these scriptures that God was giving to me, and the healing that was taking place was amazing. And um, it's been, it was a long and difficult path through forgiveness and restoration to bring me to where I am today. I remember one Sunday uh, shortly after treatment, I was in church, and I don't, I don't remember what the sermon was about, but I do remember this one phrase that the the um, preacher kept saying over and over, and he kept saying, take a step. And so that's what I did. I started to take a step. I started to take these small steps of obedience of what I felt God was wanting me to do. And and I did things like praying, just started praying for other people more, and especially when um, my illness would put me, make me bedridden. I would spend that time praying for other people. I started having my family over again. I started hosting parties. And step by step, I started to rebuild my life with my illness, you know, working within the limitations of my illness but not letting it limit me. And the small steps of obedience I was taking, they started to lead me into this new adventure. I rearranged the letters of my name to alias in town. I chose that as a pen name. And... um 
I wrote a book called Well, and I started marketing the book, and then this led to this deep calling on my spirit to minister more. So I enrolled in training, and today I am an ordained minister through Christian Leadership Alliance, and I've completed chaplain training at my church, and I just continue to educate myself, and I continue to minister to other people who have been through the same thing that I've been through and continue to take these small steps of obedience. And I don't exactly know what the future holds. I don't exactly know where all of these little steps are leading me, but I know that I'm on the ride of my life. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a blessing, Anita. Um, and it's such a blessing to know that you are, number one, still alive. Um, I know you didn't go through an easy yes. time. Um, and, you know, it really is a, a, an amazing testimony that you're sharing. And I'm so grateful um, that you were able to um, have those scriptures in your heart mm-hmm. and you could refer to them. It's, it's not an easy journey. And I'm I'm so grateful that you were able to overcome it. And now you're here yes. and you're ministering yes. to those who may, who are um, going through similar experiences and you're, you're helping to change their lives and helping them to have hope again. Yes. And that's yes. really awesome. So I give God thanks for how he's using you in this time. Thank you. I, I do too. <laughs> I thank God every day. Praise God. Yes. So um, what would you say was the turning point for you? Well, it it really comes down to one word, surrender. Um, When I I got home from treatment, I started just scouring through a decade's worth of my journals, trying to figure out how this could have happened to me. How did I sink so low? And what I discovered in the journals was this pattern in my life where when things got hard, I would always try to solve those issues on my own. I would <laughs> effectively like take my life out of God's hands and place it back into my own hands. I'm yeah. very smart. <laughs> I was <laughs> nope. removing myself. Yeah, I was taking myself right out of the very source of power and strength that could have helped me through those hard times. And when I saw that pattern, I realized I needed to live a surrendered life, and I just stopped right there, and I prayed. I prayed for forgiveness. I prayed for God's mercy, and I totally surrendered my life into the worthy hands of God. And I'm telling you, living a surrendered life has completely changed me. It, uh, the freedom that it brings to totally rely on God through good times and bad times to have his strength through those times and his power. Um, surrender is was the turning point in my life. And there is no other way to live, I'm telling you. There's no other way to be. I absolutely agree. You know, um, it, it's so easy for us to take it, take matters into our own hand until we realize, mm-hmm. you know, we can't even handle the situation by ourselves. Um, and it's until right. we come to that very stopping point where we realize, you know, this, this, you know, battle, this fight that I'm trying to handle all by myself, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's too, it's beyond my, beyond my power, you know, it's, <laughs> it's beyond my control. Yeah. Yeah. And it's until we and it's turn it over because, to God's hands. Yeah, and I had, I've been a Christian for so long, and I don't understand why I never came to that point before. But it wasn't <laughs> until I was reading through those journals that I realized, oh, my goodness, I've been living this pattern my whole life and um, my whole Christian life. And I was like, wow, it was, it was just this God moment of him saying, here it is, Anita, 
you have never really surrendered your whole life to me. So, <laughs> so wow. So that was that you would say that will be your major turning point when you actually uh, took some time to read your journal. You realize, you know, it's time for me to fully surrender to God because you, yes. you recognize that. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, that's what happens uh, sometimes. You know, sometimes we just we just want to take control and say, oh, my gosh, let me just do it because <laughs> this is not happening <laughs> quick enough, you know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, oh, because living true. a surrender life, it's, it's important, you know. You want to be free. It, you, get impa- you get impatient, you know. That's, that was my problem anyway. I was just impatient with, with God's timing on things. So that's what I that's why I kept doing. I thought, well, I'll solve this on my own. And then instead of being patient with whatever God's timing was, you know, <laughs> I know, I know, it, it happens to the best of us. But you know, the the most powerful thing is when we can realize it before it's too late and seek God's forgiveness and and yeah. ask for His help. You know, um, and that's mm-hmm. that's the most powerful thing. Amen. 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 It really is. Uh, so, Anita, what advice would you give someone who is going through a similar situation? I would say the very first thing that you need to do is to love yourself enough to seek help with boldness. Um, get help. Don't hide behind um, your illness. Don't hide behind your mental illness or your addiction anymore. Reach out with boldness. You know, there's at least 11 times in the Bible where it says be strong and courageous. And that strength does not come from within you, but it comes from God himself. And you can find that strength to be bold and seek for help. He offers it to us right in the middle of our weakest point. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that that we are made strong in our weakness in Christ. And regarding courage, the root word in courage is cur, and that means heart. So if you go back to the very original definition of the word courage, it means to express yourself with your whole heart. Courage means that you don't need to hide, that you can be real with whatever situation is that you're in, and that brings you hope. Don't don't hide your pain. Don't don't hide behind your addiction. Don't hide in the darkness where things can fester and grow and get cold, but bring it into the light so that you can get healing. Have the courage to express what's in your heart and find the help and the hope that is available to you. Um I I don't understand why it is that we want to hide when we are at our deepest and darkest points, you know? Um, it doesn't make any sense. But we do that. We Everybody does that. We all manage our images and we try to hide behind things. But there's help out there, you know? The people that love you will help you if you just let them know what's going on in your life. Wow, that is so true. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of hurting people right now and... Um... They're, they they hide for so long because they don't really think there's anybody that actually cares who, who or mm-hmm. people who actually understand. And they're saying, you know what, maybe I should just stay behind closed doors and just keep praying about it. And, you know, there's probably somebody out there who can stretch forth in hand and say, you know, I, um, 
I, I want to pray with you. I want to help you. You know what I'm saying? I want to yes. help you to overcome yes. this um, addiction or um, whatever it is that you're struggling with. So, you know, it really, mm-hmm. it really does take a lot of courage, Anita, as you said before. Yeah, it, it does. really does take a lot it of courage. It does because we we just for whatever reason as us as human beings we tend that we tend to want to want to hide. I guess I guess we just don't want people to see our weaknesses. We don't want people to to know that we're struggling. And, and I tell you, I think it's a a lie from Satan, right directly from from Satan himself. A lie from him that says you you know don't let people know that you're struggling here. But then the truth from Christ is reach out, reach out to me, reach out. I'm not far from you. I'm right here. And there are people in our, not everybody has people in their lives that they are close to. But even if you don't have someone in your life that you're close enough to, there is help through professional organizations that you can reach out and, and start to confess and start to bring into light the things that you're trying to hide behind. Amen. And, you know, once they've been delivered and set free and, you know, they've, they've, they've been um, introduced to Jesus Christ, you know, now they can begin to depend upon God. Um, right. You know, I, you know, at some point of our life, we just have to face it, you know, um, mm-hmm. that there's a time, there's going to be a time when we're really going to have to solely depend upon God because sometimes man just don't have the answer. They don't have the answer. They don't have the solution, right. you know, and, you know, it may sound, you know, telling someone out there, a normal person out there in the world, that they're they're going to be like, "Are you serious?" But yes, it's true. You have to come to that place where you'll have a personal walk, a relationship with God. And some of these struggles are not mm-hmm. going to be easy. You will be tested, but um, oh, yeah. it's really about trusting in Him. You know what I'm saying? Because man, at the end of the day, really can't do what God can do. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's that's so true. We don't have the power, do we? I, we we don't we, have the kind we, of power. We have that the God power has. that God gives to us, <laughs> but it, it's, right. it's by God's power, only by God's power. But us depending on our frail human strength, it's it's yeah. impossible. It really is. It is. It's it's a worthless pursuit. <laughs> it is. We we fail every time, and it's until we let God take charge, let go and let God, you know, and I'm telling you right yes. now, Anita, it is a, a daily makeup mind thing. You got to It's a daily makeup mind thing. <laughs> oh, I so agree with that. My um, key verse in my life is in Deuteronomy where it says, God says, I set before you today, life and life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. And it is it is the small daily things that you do, like you just said. It's to, it's taking the time to choose the little things, those little things, and they vector you into this into an abundant life in Christ by making Amen. those choices to choose life, choose life. It's so true. You know, um, I was speaking to someone. They were saying the same thing. You know. Um, that mm. when it comes on to being a Christian, why the journey can be difficult sometimes is because every day we have to think about our decisions before we make it. While people out there in the world, they just live, and they just yes. live and they yes. do what they want, when they want, how they want, and they feel no conscience about it. It doesn't bother them. They're used to it. But we as Christians, we right. got to constantly be thinking before we make that decision. we got to constantly be prayerful. We have to discern. Mm-hmm. We, we can't just jump. 
You see what I'm saying? Because that jump oh, could yes. either cause a consequence yeah. or it could cause a regret in our life or cause a disaster. Um, yeah. So that's where the difficulty comes because now we have to solely rely upon God. We can't rely upon our will, doing our own thing. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. I do. It's making those choices, those those choices every day. And, and, and it's out of relationship, you know. It's out of a relationship with God where we make those choices. And he's He's there to help us and to guide us. He doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't just abandon. He doesn't say, choose life and then just leave us alone. No, he journeys with us and he walks with us and he guides us and he He points us into the right direction. Now, it's up to us to make the right choices, but God is always providing guidance through his spirit and through his word, and it's so important to be connected to to God through that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. I totally agree. I absolutely agree. You know, when you come back to your, your realization and you're sitting in your alone time, you realize, you know what? It's it's better to do it God's way, you know. <laughs> yes. So, Anita, what is the main message you want to bring to the public? I, I, I boil it down, I think, to the scripture that is in Isaiah, Isaiah sixty-one verses one through three. And if you don't mind, I'll just I'll just read that. Okay. Okay. It is Isaiah sixty-one. Verses 1 through 3, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And that scripture, it gives so much hope about what God wants to offer to the hurting. And I am so humbled if I can be any part of bringing that into fruition to the kingdom. Um, I call my personal ministry alias in town ministry. And you're probably wondering, well, what is an alias in town? <laughs> I mentioned sure. before that, that alias in town is an anagram of my name. I just rearranged the letter of Anita Wilson and came up with alias in town. And I chose it as my pen name on purpose because there are alias people living in every town who suffer from chronic illness, including mental illness and addiction. But, you know, it has come to mean so much more to me now than a pen name. It is a, a term, an alias in town is a term that represents people who are living an alias, inauthentic life because they feel they have to hide their illness or their addiction some way, like we've talked about before. You know, perhaps it's behind a mask of wellness, um, managing the image so that everybody thinks they're okay. Perhaps it's hiding um, behind a fear of stigma, of not being accepted or hiding the loneliness and helplessness of addiction, whatever the reason, they're living as an alias in their own life. And my main message is that you don't have to be alias anymore. You don't have to be. Wow, that is such a blessing. Anita, that is awesome. 
That is awesome. You know, it's, it's, it's number one, it's courageous, you know? Um, Mm. and, and secondly, it's, you know, it's just very inspiring as well, you know, and very uplifting, um, to those who are listening right now who feel like they may have may have to hide, but, you know, you're letting them know that it's still hope for them. They can come out. There's someone like you who wants to help, you know? Um, Oh, I do. I am so burdened for people like, like that. That's, it's just the burden. God has used this journey of mine to place a burden and a calling on my heart specifically for these people, specifically for people who are grieving and mourning and struggling in um, mental illness or addiction. Praise God. And so how, how are you, um, are you still currently um, dealing with the illness? Is it as tense as it was when in your earlier years or is it, is it a little bit more better? It is just as intense. I I still struggle. Um, three or, there's three or four days a week where I'm I'm basically bedridden and housebound, and uh, my my physical illness hasn't changed, but I still say I am well, because I've learned that my physical being, my physical state, does not define my wellness. Like that hymn, "It is well." There's a phrase in there that says, "Even so." It is well with my soul. And I know that my soul is in the hands of a God who loves me and guides me. And I don't have to suffer knowing that, you know. I mean, yeah, the illness is here. And, yes, it, it knocks me out for a while. And I have to live within the limitations. I'm sorry, my dog is barking. <laughs> Um, okay. I have to live within those limitation, in, in limitations of the, what the illness is, but I've learned that, you know, God said, God's saying to me, you can minister through your illness. You can minister through that pain. You can use it to reach others. And that was such a, a freeing and opening um, concept to my heart to realize that, you know what, I'm not knocked out of ministry because I have an illness. God can use it. God can take my weakness and turn it into a strength. And, oh, I just praise him for that. I just praise him for that. Amen. Amen, Anita. That is awesome. You know, um, it doesn't matter uh, what state we are. And it really boils down to your mindset. And I can see in which um, throughout your experience how God has really um, opened up your mind to him and Mm. his will. You know, um, how has your character grown? Uh, since your experience. I'm sorry, can you say that question again? I didn't hear it. How has your character grown and your faith grown since since your experience? Oh, my goodness. My faith has grown so much because um, just realizing that I don't need to be limited. You know, I had this, I was very involved. Before I went through the, the stage of the alcohol addiction and the pain pill addiction. Before I went through that, I was a very strong Christian, and I um, I had a, a very strong career that I had built up my on my own from the bottom up, and I was volunteering many hours every week in my church. I was an elder in my church, and um, when this illness got to the point where I had to give up all of that volunteer um, stuff and had to quit my job and go on disability, 
I just couldn't see any other any other way for God to use me. And now that I've come to realize that God still has a purpose for me, there's He still He still needs me in His kingdom, and I I can still contribute in some way. It, it may be a small way, but it is still contributing to His kingdom. And I didn't have to go by what I had this preconceived idea of what what ministry looked like. I can minister as I am now, as God wants to use me now, by taking little steps little steps of obedience that he puts in my path, and that has just grown my faith and, and my love for God so much to just know that he has, still has a purpose for me has been just so found and amazing. Wow. That's a blessing. That is a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, are you currently, um, do you have um, like a group of people that you're, um, um, sharing this amazing experience with and helping them to overcome similar experiences as well? I am, yes. I, um, I've received certification in suicide prevention, for one thing, and I, I um, volunteer and work with that. I share my story as much as I possibly can. My original goal when I, when I wrote my book was to share my story with 100 people. That was my goal. Apparently God knew that it was going to be bigger than that <laughs> because in um, January of this year, Oprah O Magazine did an article on suicide and I was chosen as one of the people to be interviewed for that article. And so my story has reached the readership of O Magazine. And so that's a nice. lot more than a hundred people. <laughs> and I have, op- I, yeah, and I've had opportunities to speak in churches and to do interviews like this. And I've had opportunities to share one-on-one people who have read the book and have come to me and, and talked to me about how it has impacted their life. And I've been able to minister and mentor in those situations and, and pray for people. And I'm so excited about the um, – I just completed chaplain training at church, and I'm so excited about the possibilities of – of being a chaplain and being able to minister to people who are in grief or or in the place that I just read about in Isaiah about um, in mourning and the the downtrodden and I'm so excited about the possibility of being a chaplain to those people. Wow, that is so cool! Like uh, seven years mm-hmm. ago, would it, would would you have ever imagined yourself, Anita, in your wildest dreams, ever being where you are today? Ha, no, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> no, I, I didn't see a purpose that, that for myself then, and and now it's like wow, and it's you know, and, and it was just little steps of obedience, just doing the little things that God laid in front of my path, and like okay, God, I can do that little thing, and as I continue to do these little steps, God has led me into this place, and I'm just I know I couldn't I couldn't have imagined it, I couldn't have dreamed or imagined. That God that is still so using cool. <laughs> and, and yeah. of course, you know, God is still using you, you know, and he's, he's, I, I know he still has many more opportunities and great blessings before you as well. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just so, it's so awesome. Cause you, I know seven years ago, you were like just going through your depression and just going through your struggles yeah. and you're like, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you, didn't, you felt like you didn't have any hope, right? I didn't. I felt, I felt like there was no hope. I felt I had no future, 
and um boy, you know it took it took months to recover from that um I have six children at the time that I went through that in two thousand and twelve three of the six were adults and living on their own. Three of them were uh teenagers still under my care, and uh one of the biggest hurts that had came out of that situation was that i I robbed them of their mother during the years of their life that they needed they needed me most and um those those three children actually went to live with someone else for a while while I recovered and um two of them came home one of them never did come home but god has healed all those relationships the one who never came home i have a, i'm very close to her now and i just i i just praise god because it's a completely different life than what I had in 2012 and the relationships that have been healed, the redemption that has taken place, the restoration that has been taken place. Oh, it's just amazing. It's, it's, it's a miracle what God has done. And I guess he's just in that business, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he, he is. is. Yes, he is. He is, he is in the, the business of restoring lives. And I, and one of the things that I think about is, you know, I do have this story, and I'm willing to share this story. But what I think is really cool, and when I think about my God, is that my story isn't that unique. God does this for millions and millions of people. They may not share it like I do. They may not talk about it as much as I do. But millions and millions of people God has reached in and changed lives. And he's so amazing. He's so powerful. Just beyond what I can imagine and beyond what I can comprehend what he can do when somebody puts their life in his hands. Mm, mm, mm. You are so right. You are absolutely right. I mean, um, (laughs) when you were taking those little, because you said God presented to you little steps that you took. Yes. When you took those little steps, Anita, did you see, did, were you seeing like changes immediately or was it like, okay, I took the step, what's next, Lord? Kind of tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, I, it was, it was take a step and I would, I would see change, I would see a, a small change, a small step equal to small change. Wow. And, and, okay. and that would bring me to a new place, a new place in life. And then I would feel like God would say, okay. You you did that. Now it's now it's time to start not isolating yourself. Let's start having your family come over some more. You know, let's let's prepare those relationships. So take that small step. Have your family come over for for some family dinners and stuff. So I took that small step, and that led to restoration and and to healing in my family. And every little step brought a little change. And as I continue to be obedient in those steps, and now I mean now the steps are like, okay, you need to get your degree. <laughs> so I'm mm-hmm. I'm working on getting my degree, and um, it, it that seemed it would have seemed like a huge step back you know a few years ago, but now it's just a little step. It's just another. It's just some more training. That's all it is, just some more training, and I can get my degree, and then we'll see where God takes me from there. <laughs> and yeah. being an and being ordained, getting ordained as a as a minister, I would have never dreamed that that would have been what God's plan was for me, but. Those little steps led me there, and I have the ordinary ordination ceremony coming up next month, and um, it's just wow, you know, little steps of obedience bring little change, 
And then over time, that brings big change. <laughs> praise God. Praise God, Anita. That is awesome. That is awesome, which leads us to, um, you know, what inspired you to write your book? And tell us a little bit about your book. Okay, sure. Yeah, like I told you, I had, um, when I came home from Schumann, I went through those journals. And originally, the, the writing of my book was for myself. I, I wanted to go through those journals and figure out what happened to me. And I just took excerpts from from my journals, the excerpts that told my story. And I um, put them in a, I put them in an art journal. And I would write essays about those those journal excerpts. I would write an essay about it to kind of explain what God had done through me or what God was telling me and showing me in that point of my life. And then I would create, I'm an artist, so I would create some artwork and tell my story through the end of a paintbrush. I wrote some poetry, and I just put all of that in an art journal. I made some pretty little handmade covers, and, and I bound it up into this scrapbook. And when I was done, it was it was so cathartic. I felt I felt like you know I had answered some of those questions I had, and I set it on a shelf. I, I it, it was something I'd done for myself, and I created something useful and good for me. I put away put it away, and I kind of forgot about it. And then I was watching this TED talk by a woman named Brene Brown. Have you ever heard of her? Brene Brown? No, I'm not familiar with the name. Well, she she talks a lot about vulnerability. And the TED Talk that I was listening to was on vulnerability. And she said um, stuff like um, stories are just data with a soul. Um, Regarding shame, she said we all have it. No one wants to talk about it. And the less you talk about it, the more you have it. She um, mentioned that owning your story is hard, but it's not nearly as hard as spending our lives running away from it. And as I listened to her talk, God kind of tapped on my shoulder and said, hey, remember that recovery scrapbook that you put together? Remember that? I want that story out there, Anita. I want you to share that story. And I thought, oh, my goodness, God, those journal entries are really raw and personal. Those are my very personal thoughts. And, And he's like, that story needs to be out there. And so I decided that I would let the truth escape from those pages. And um, I wasn't exactly sure how to take a scrapbook and turn it into a book, but I did it, did the best I could with it. I gave it my best shot. And now my story is out there for the whole world to see. (laughs) I um, laid myself open and invited everybody to come to the autopsy. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! It was it was crazy, but it's you know it's a stake in the ground for repentance and redemption, and and I own my story, and I'm humbled to be able to share in in its rawness and realness. Um, if you read my book well, you will see a raw journey of self discovery. I didn't pull any punches in that story. Um. But there's also some rubber meets the road kind of advice that's in the book. I talk about coping strategies and how to cope when you're going through some hard times and um, how to rip off their disguises and how to live a more authentic life. And the name of the book is Well, and it is Well by Alias in Town. So if you wanted to find it on Amazon, you would have to search for Well, Alias, in Town, and it would bring it up. 
if you search for Anita Wilson, you will find the, the wonderful gospel singer Anita Wilson. <laughs> so <laughs> you need to make sure that you use alias in town. Use my pen name. Um, and you can also uh, go to my website, which is uh, www.aliasintown.com. You can go to that website, and you can um, click on my book there, and you can it will take you to where you can get it. And, um, gosh, if anybody wants to email me, my email address is on my website, but I'll give it to you. It's Anita Marie Wilson at aliasintown.com. And on my website, you can go to scroll to the bottom of the first page, and there's a phone number on there where you can text, text to me a message, too. So I would love to hear from people. I would love to hear from the brokenhearted and the downtrodden and the those who are dealing with addiction. And and I would love to at least pray with with them and, and um, just be there for them in, in what I call a ministry of presence, just being present with somebody that is in that situation so they're not alone. Amen, amen. And um, that's true, you know, and I'm glad God um, told you to. I know at first you were probably very hesitant. You were like, uh a little really, it's really wrong I don't think I want everybody yes. to know about this but you know if God is telling you to do it then you got nothing to lose you know <laughs> had to be obedient yes you had to be obedient and, yeah and I mean and it, it is raw I mean my deepest darkest thoughts are are the journal entries that I that I pulled out to put into that scrapbook and whoo People, people who knew me well were surprised and shocked. Really? By some of the things. Yes, yes. People that knew me the best were like, "Oh my goodness, I had no idea you were going through that kind of stuff." So, yeah, it was eye-opening for the when people read the book. Who my my even my parents they were like, "Oh my goodness, Anita, I had no idea." That's how well I had hidden my um my journey that I was going through I had hit it so well from people who knew me the best that they were shocked to find out that that's what I was going through wow that's crazy but you know Mm -hmm. and it's not it doesn't even go just for you it could just be people out there like you know there's sometimes people really don't know like even those closest to them don't even really know what they're really facing uh behind closed doors at times Right, and I had the perfect excuse to hide behind. I, I, you know, I, I could be drunk and high from pain pills and alcohol, but I would just tell people, "Oh, I'm sick today, and I'm not feeling well," because I could just use my illness as an excuse, and they just, you know, figured that that was the truth. But it wasn't the truth. The truth is, I had been drinking and and um, escaping through through chemicals, and um, yeah, my my deception was working. They it was a shock to them to find out what I was what I was actually doing. So um, so um, let me ask you a quick question. Um, does your book also include like some of the things that you've also overcome? You know what? It it doesn't. It it kind of it has some steps of what I have overcome. Um, but I wrote the book before God had before God has led me all the way through to this journey of, of restoration and recovery. So it, it kind of ends the book kind of ends with me talking about taking steps of 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 um, 
having dinners with my family again. It talks about how I had started a prayer ministry, but after, but it ends there. Um, but it definitely does talk about about how I overcame the the addiction, how I overcame the alcohol abuse, how I overcame the sense of hopelessness and purposelessness that I had come to because of of um, the grief, the grief of losing the life that I had before. That was a big challenge. You know, when when you experience loss like that, loss of what we typically build our identity in, we we for you know it's the wrong way to do it, but most of us do put our identity into what we do for a living. And I had done the same thing. And when that was gone, it was this huge grieving process that I had to go through because of that loss. And um, that's in there. <laughs> all of those, all of those stories about all of the the difficulties are are in there. And in the essays, I write about how God used them. Um, I write about what happened to me while I was in the psychiatric hospital. Um, there was a strip search one day. Yay. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. And so I write about what the strip search meant and, and, and how, and compare that to how that was the stripping away of my identity was like this, like that strip search that happened in the hospital. Another thing that happened in the hospital was, um, I get on one Sunday, I decided that I wanted to participate in some kind of worship experience. So we had communion. I There were some other Christians there, and we took those little oyster crackers that you can get for soup and some pink okay. lemonade, <laughs> and we sat around a table, and we prayed, and we took communion together. And um, in the book, I talk about how that showed that my identity was rooted in Christ because even in the midst of of this where I wasn't thinking clearly and I was not quite fully recovered, I still was drawn to Jesus and was drawn to him and his purposes. And so that's where my identity lied. And that was the turning point too, for me to realize that my identity is in Christ and in Christ alone. It was whose I am, not who I am. It's whose I am. That's my identity. And that never changes. Amen. Amen. And it's really important that people are able to realize, um, you know, of course, when they establish their relationship with the Lord, they, they realize that their identity is in Christ. Yes. Yes. And I, I love the never, the never changing aspect of that. Once you come to that realization that it, your identity is in Christ, it doesn't matter what happens and the external, other external parts of your life. Lose your job, you know. Um, the you could be having relationship issues. You could be having issues in your life that that really attack your identity. What that would have been your identity, but if it's in Christ, no matter what happens externally, you are planted like an oak of righteousness, right in the center of where you need to be, and it never changes. That's a blessing. Um, what's yes. what's the most um, awesome part of your career that you love the most? My current career? <laughs> yes. What's like the really, best part really, of your career that you really love? Yes. I I really don't have a career because I'm on disability, but 
the the thing that I love the most about the ministry that God's using me through um, volunteerism is when I get to sit down with somebody um, one-on-one. I love sharing my story in public. I I, I love um, speaking to churches, and I love um, and doing interviews and, you know, sharing it in public. But, boy, when I get a chance to sit down with a person one-on-one and just um, – pour into them the love of Jesus and show them that hope and that hope has a name and that name is Jesus. That That's my favorite thing. I, I just love when God can use me in the life of a, a single person. And um, that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about about becoming a chaplain is that I know that I will have more opportunity to deal with people on a one-on-one basis and and mentor and guide and and bring the love of Christ and the hope of Christ into their present situation. Praise God. Um, that sounds really good. Um, I'm really glad that you're you're still able to share your story and you're still still able to be impactful um, in the lives of others. Mm. Are you, um, do you have any plans on, uh, for writing other books? Are there other books that you're currently writing or well is the book that you're focused on right now? I, I wrote another book called um, The Hebrew Names of God, which is a Bible study. And it talks about the miraculous intervention of, what, of God in, in the lives of people in the Old Testament and how through that miraculous intervention, they actually gave God a new name, like um, Jehovah Jireh, which is the God who provides that kind of thing. And so that that book is available for sale too. And actually, if you go to my website, you can get that book for free. Um, so if you join, there's something called Join the Club, and if you click on that, I'll I'll just send you that Bible study for free. Um, another, I don't know what new. I do feel like a burden on my heart to write another book, but I don't know what it's going to be yet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's going to be one of those steps that that God will put into my path in the future, but I do feel like the new experiences in working with people who are, who have mental illness and who are working with addiction. And as as I go through dealing with those people and and ministering to those people, I I feel like there will be another, another uh, book that comes out of that. Um, One of the things that I'm very passionate about right now is that the church realize that Christians go through mental illness just like the rest of society does. The statistics are staggering. It is one in five people. One in five people deal with depression. That's 20% of your church's congregation. 20% of the people that are sitting in church with you are dealing with, with depression in a way that is clinical. And the church tends to put a stigma on that. It tends to shine a spotlight instead on in, in those people's lives and say, it's a spiritual issue with you then. You don't have enough faith or you need to pray more or um, you're, you need to study the Bible more. No, it's an illness, just like a physical, just like diabetes. It's an illness that needs to be treated and if we can remove that stigma out of our churches and start standing that from a better perspective and stop making people feel like they need to hide it because they don't want to be judged, um, 
I'm very passionate about that. I'm very passionate about including and and bringing ministries into churches that include the mentally ill. Wow. How are um how have you um like I I know you say you um you work with different people. Um how has your ministry helped some of these people who are going through the depression or um mental illness? Like how how have you seen them be delivered? I have I have seen them be delivered through um Basically, the number like I said, the number one step is to just come out, come out of the darkness, and come into the light. And that is the number one step. And then, then seek actual help. I mean, yes, yes, God can deliver someone from mental illness through healing. I totally believe in the healing power of God, but I also believe that there are therapists and there are doctors that God uses to heal people as well. And I have seen people be healed through that route because it is an illness. Somebody who has a a brain chemical imbalance needs to get that taken care of through medication. And um, God uses doctors to heal. And through through what I have seen, I've seen miraculous healings. I've seen people delivered from from satanic influence because mm. their depression was based on that. Wow. But I've also seen more of people getting help they need through through medication and and through putting their faith and trust in God. I think it's really important for therapy if you go into therapy that you go into a therapist from a Christian perspective so that God is brought in and your faith is made stronger as you go through the healing process. Praise God. Um, I definitely agree. I I do believe, you know, God can also, God, I believe in the supernatural, you know, the supernatural Mm -hmm. miracles that God can heal supernaturally. And I do also believe that he can also use doctors um, or, you know, physicians or, you know, therapists to also um, complete that task as well. Um, God, God can work in many different ways. You know, he's he's a, oh, yeah. a limitless yeah. God. <laughs> we can't ever put him yeah. in a box. Yeah, that, that's right, so uh, true. And we tend to want to do that, don't we? We want to put him in a box and say, okay, this is this is how God God needs to fix this issue. And no, God God owns it all. God is in charge of it all, and He can use whatever resources are available to Him. You know, we don't need to try to define what He's supposed to do. God is creative in problem solving. <laughs> it's it's true. You know, we, we clearly see in in the Bible how Jesus, you know, he with um the man that was lame for thirty eight years, he told him to just stand up and walk, pick up your mat and walk. Yeah. And then with the bl- yeah. the blind man, he took sand and he spat on in the ground and he took the sand and made mud mm-hmm. and rub it on the blind man's eyes. So he you see how he works in different ways, but he's the same God that can do anything he wants. You know, he can yes, do it this yes, way yes, or he yes. can do it that way. Um, so, yeah. My, my favorite, to my favorite um, miracle story in the Bible is when Jesus healed the blind man and then he went to the temple and they and they asked him, you know, what happened and who did this to you? And the blind man says, I, I don't know. I don't know who Jesus is really. But this I can tell you, I once was blind, and now I see. 
<laughs> yes. That's my favorite, my favorite miracle because somebody, you know, you can you can say, I, I don't completely understand who God is. I don't completely get this power, but I can tell you this. I once was, and now I am this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a really great way to put it. Mm-hmm. So, Anita, what are your final words for the audience before we close out? I uh, oh goodness, um, final words. I'm going to repeat what I said before. Yeah, I'm just going to repeat what I said before about being strong and courageous. Um, you know, you find that strength in God. And use that courage to express yourself with, with everything that's in you and come out of hiding and and be strong and courageous. And I love that the most popular command in the Bible, the command of God that is used more than any other command in the entire scripture is fear not, don't be afraid. That is said more in Scripture as a command from God than any other thing. So don't be afraid. Fear not, because God is with you. That is what I want people to know. Amen, amen. That is so powerful. Thank you, Anita. And um, where can they find your book? And can they also follow you on social media? Yes. Yes, you sure can. Um, my book is on sale at Amazon, and like I said, you have to you have to search for "Well" by Alias in town, or you can go to my website www.aliasintown.com, and you can click on my book there. And um, web and for Facebook, you can find Alias in Town on Facebook as well. And I have something called Club Well, where you people can join that club and and get the free book, and um, we just chat with each other and, and share stories of, of how God is working in our lives, and I would love for people to do that. Okay, that's great. So you have a, a, a group that they can join as well to to um, get a hold of your free book. Yes, sure, I sure do. I, right, right when you pull my website up, right when you pull up on Alias in Town, there's a, a circle there that says Join the Club. And um, you click on that circle, and you'll and it sends me an email, and I just send you the book, and then you can join the club on Facebook. That that um, we just I just occasionally stick out a question out there and just say, are you well stands for club well stands for living life fully and um, choosing to live life fully, and that's just a way for us all to talk back and forth and be able to share life together and, and what God is doing. Praise God. That's really awesome. Um, so um, I thank you so much, Anita, for being on the Kingdom Talk uh, radio program with us today. Um, I really, really enjoyed your story. And those that listen, oh, thank um, you. I know that they really received um, some upliftment. And I just oh, want to say so. uh, continue to be strong. And, um, and thank you. I want to give God thanks for how he's using you in this time. Oh, thank you. I, I'm so thankful. Right. I'm so grateful as well. All right. Well, I want to thank each and everyone for taking the time to listen in. 
um, definitely um, go to Anita Wilson's website and you'll be able to find her book. And if you want to get her free book, you can follow her on Facebook. The links will be on the website, on Kingdom Empowerment Inc. website, okay? Um, it's such a blessing, Anita. Thank you again for being on our show and God bless you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm so thankful. God bless you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to join in on the Kingdom Talk live every Tuesday with your host, Evangelist Anastasia Hay. Follow us on blogtalkradio.com slash Kingdom Empowerment Inc. Also, subscribe at www.keifm.com to receive updates and notifications for our new podcast. Have a fantastic week, and thank you for tuning in. God bless. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.